to the all-new Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, good evening, and uh, thanks for tuning in tonight. I'm here every Sunday evening from 8 until 9 p.m. Happy to have you along. And uh, I guess, you know, now that, uh, well, summer isn't officially over, but I guess because now kids are back to school, um, you know, roads and subways can just close at random. Part of the subway was closed this weekend, and they've closed down that stretch of uh, King Street for uh, for TIFF. So basically, we're just back to normal, right? Where you can't really get around the city, and it's kind of a nightmare. Uh, basically, my Twitter feed has been full of celebrity sightings. So, of course, the Toronto International Film Festival is going on. And um, I mentioned last weekend, I had some great guests who were on just talking about, you know, celebrity hot spots and where you can go catch them if you want. And uh, I've been in Toronto about 20 years. Well, yes, 20 years now and haven't really taken part too much in the film festival, though I, I do enjoy the energy. And because I live downtown near where the street, the street closure is on King Street, um, it's kind of nice to see how many people churn out just to get a, a glimpse of someone, I guess, you know, walking up the red carpet, heading into one of the theaters. Uh, it's not particularly how I want to spend my time but uh, I can appreciate that for some people it's really exciting to maybe get their you know hand shaken by Al Pacino and a photo or something um what I can do without though and I'm I'm kind of looking forward to this in a couple of days is I don't need all these emails that I'm getting from <laughs> from PR companies who are just doing their job but about uh what celebrities are eating like one the other day was it it told me um, I can't remember who it was. It was some actress who was enjoying an Americano. I don't really care. Not really. So I am curious if you take part in the film festival in any way, or maybe this is the year that you want to head out and maybe spot uh, Kevin Costner or Tina Fey, Chris Rock. Uh, let me know. You can always text in at 71010. You can also call in if you want, 416-872-1010, or star 8255 on your cell phone. Do you watch any of the films? Do you look out for celebs? Do you maybe just want to come down to be part of that energy and excitement? There's a lot of music going on, a lot of like street performances. Uh, you don't have to actually spend money. You can just walk around and enjoy the sights and sounds um a big part of these of having celebrities in town for tiff are these things called um gifting lounges or suites and i remember hearing about them a lot when uh Amer big, like american award shows were going on so like the grammys or the oscars and you would hear about these gift baskets or like bags of uh presents that celebrities would walk away with and especially down in the states they'd be worth like tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars where they're being given um jewelry and shoes and uh bags and purses trips sometimes um so here there's also some there are quite a few gifting lounges because so many big names come to the city that a lot of companies and brands are very eager to get uh their product into the hands of an a-lister and what I used to always think was, this is so stupid. Why are we giving celebrities presents? Of all people in the world, they can afford that, you know, $200 wallet or uh, that $8 mascara. So I used to think it was the silliest thing. But now, kind of, you know, having worked in the industry a little bit more and understanding how um, things operate, it seems silly, yes, that we give all these gifts to people who have the most money and who can afford to buy it at the drop of a hat. But 
when you think about it, for a lot of companies, especially uh, the uh, the event that happens here, bringing in a lot of international celebrities, for smaller companies, for um, you know young entrepreneurs, to get their product into the hands of a celebrity could mean tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in free publicity. So just imagine that you make, I don't know, you make some delicious brownies and you sell them at a couple of coffee shops near your home and this is your little business that you're trying to you know, make a living off of. So everyone tells you that your, your brownies are the most amazing. So you include them in one of these gifting suites. And let's just say uh, it ends up in Adam Sandler's hands because, you know, it's in the bag that he's been given and he tastes it and he thinks it's amazing. Later on that day, he's doing a, a big entertainment interview. They talk about the festival and he happens to mention, you know what, I had this really great brownie when I was in Toronto. It was made by whatever your company name is. Boom. That is instant publicity and um, advertising that you could never ever afford to buy. So really, that's the reason why um, it's really great for companies to take part in these and try to get celebrities, uh, you know, with a photo of them wearing their product, eating their product, using it, holding it, whatever it is. So I totally understand that now. I had a chance to actually visit a lot of these gifting lounges just to see the variety of things that are out there and that are being given to celebrities. And there are some really cool products. And I will tell you that they're not all crazy expensive. A lot of them are very reasonable, like some skincare products, maybe some, you know, organic chocolate, um, some locally pressed juice, a lot of things that everyone can enjoy. But it's just a matter of trying to get these celebrities to be aware of a lot of things that we have in the city, which I think is great. So I really love the idea that a lot of these gifting lounges are exposing celebrities and media, international media, to some of the great products, some of the great designers, some of the great um, entrepreneurs that are based here in Canada. And um, and so that is a great thing. Now, there's actually one lounge that I was at um, put on by EGPR. They put on this essentials lounge and it's actually not for celebrities at all it's for media it's for all the people who have to stand on the red carpets who are schlepping from junket to junket running around between theaters all the people who have to work through the film festival with very little sleep um probably very little proper food trying to look awake trying to look attentive um and so they have you know practical things like comfy shoes from rockport uh, Fresh juice from the Good Press in Yorkville. And I don't know if any of you have tried this before, but there's like, um, you know, there's eyelash extensions as well. Well, because think about it. How many women put hair extensions, right? Well, and then eyelash extensions were kind of a new thing a couple of years ago. And then I, I, I met the owner of a company called Winx. And she was telling me because I have very sparse, thin eyebrows, as many Asians do. She said they do eyebrow extensions. So I'm going to go from Whoopi Goldberg to Brooke Shields eyebrows. That is my plan. It's going to be inst probably not that uh, aggressive. Coming up, uh, you know him from Food Network shows like Chef at Home and Chef Abroad. Chef Michael Smith, he's got a new cookbook out. It will make cooking for your family a heck of a lot easier. We're going to talk to him later in the show. Uh, but coming up first, just after the break, two weeks ago, I attended this garlic dinner. I mentioned it the other week. Um, at the home of Toronto Star Food columnist Corey Mintz. Now, every dish, including dessert, had garlic in it. And 
all the guests, the dinner guests, we had a, a raw garlic tasting of different varieties of locally grown garlic. It was a really kind of cool thing to do. Um, anyway, you might be surprised that a lot of the amazing things are actually grown here in Ontario, a lot of different varieties. And I'm always, I know I'm always preaching about buying as much local food as possible. And garlic is just one of those pantry basics that doesn't cost a lot of money. And it doesn't cost much to keep a few bulbs of Ontario garlic in your kitchen. But where can you find all kinds of interesting garlic and garlic dishes and inspiration? Well, I'll tell you that after the break. You're listening to the Pay 10 Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Someone else's microphone is on. Is that you, Elliot? Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe? Okay. I thought I could hear some heavy breathing. <laughs> that is my technical producer, Elliot, panting into the microphone. Uh, and if you miss any of the shows, you want to catch up on uh, one of the podcasts, paychen.com. You are listening to In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. This is the all-new Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me. I'm here until 9 p.m. every Sunday evening. You can always call in 416-872-1010, star 8255 on your cell phone, or send in a text at 71010. Now, there's something that grows in Ontario that I bet uh, you cook with sometimes, maybe often, but chances are... Maybe you didn't know that it actually grows here or you didn't know where to buy it. And it's used in almost every country. It also fights off vampires. The fourth annual Toronto Garlic Festival is taking place September 21st. And I've got the uh, festival founder on the phone, Peter McCluskey. Hi, Peter. Hi, Pei. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I actually use some of the garlic that uh, I got from the dinner we had a few weeks ago. I was I roasted it this weekend. It was delicious. Nice. Yes, very excited. So now this is the fourth annual uh, event, and it's taking place September 21st, so in two weeks, at Evergreen Brickworks. What yes. do you have in store this year? Because when I first heard about this, I thought, how do you make an entire festival out of garlic? Well, um, there's... 20 chefs mm -hmm. garlic, all kinds of different interesting dishes reflecting all the cuisines uh, that use garlic. And those are uh, from the 20-odd farmers, Ontario farmers, who, who are coming down to the festival to sell their garlic and many different types of garlic. So right away, I mean, garlic is in so many cuisines and we eat it almost every day in our food. So a festival around garlic makes a lot of sense. And plus we have some really interesting things like some desserts that use garlic. See, that's a little bit different because most of us, uh, I think about using garlic in savory dishes and not so much in sweet dishes. Yeah, so one of the things that's been a real hit is the black garlic, uh, or excuse me, the um, black garlic uh, skull truffle made by Laura Slack. Mm -hmm. And it's a dark chocolate truffle with black garlic in it. It's, it's really fantastic. We've had it at the show and, and it's a, it's a, it really is a big hit. It surprises people when they taste <laughs> that. We've also got this year a black garlic Vietnamese coffee ice cream. Oh, that's, uh, well, the last part sounds good. I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, again, you know, when, when uh, um, people try any of these dessert items, and, we, and they're, all, they're all tested in our garlic lab beforehand. Of course. So they really taste good, and they're, they're not like gimmicks. It always wows me when I see people try these things. They, they have a, a kind of doubting expression, which turns to glee once mm -hmm. they've tasted it. Now, is black garlic a variety? 
It is actually a, a fermented garlic. Oh. So you take any garlic and you ferment it, and it becomes a, a sweet and almost has a t- flavor of molasses or coffee oh. and lends itself really well to, to desserts. I, okay, because when you say fermented, I just I think of other fermented foods, and they're they're pungent. Correct, but they're different types of fermentation processes. Mm-hmm. And I know that uh, there's over 100 varieties of garlic grown in Ontario, which is very surprising to me because I actually didn't know until we met at that dinner party a few weeks ago that there were more than maybe one or two varieties of garlic. Yes, and if you recall, one of the um, one of the other farmers who came to that dinner, who will be at the festival, brought a couple of different types, and I brought another. and And I think we all noticed the, the difference in flavor between just those few garlics we brought. Mm-hmm. So, among the the hundreds of types of garlic growing in Ontario, there's a big range in flavor, spiciness, and then of course color, um, the size of the bulbs. Uh, so we grow some truly um, remarkable garlic in Ontario, much of which will be available at the Toronto Garlic Festival. Now, is garlic, uh, Ontario garlic, is it seasonal? Like, can we buy it throughout the entire year, or is this the time that we should stock up on it? Well, it's harvested in early August. So um, at the festival is a good, great place to stock up on garlic, and it stores for uh, many months, in fact. Mm-hmm. But there's a thing we've created called a garlic map. If people Google garlic map, they'll see a map that shows hundreds of locations across the province that sell garlic uh, uh, already, but throughout almost throughout the year. It gets a little thin by late spring. Right. But but uh, uh, but a great place to get garlic right away is for sure at the garlic festival, where where you can uh, try all different types. So now, since I've never been to this garlic festival before, I what I picture it as is that I walk in. It's the Evergreen Brickworks. It's a beautiful location. I picture there to be multiple farmers and vendors all selling uh, garlic, like raw bulbs, and there'll be some chefs there who will have. Uh, I guess prepared foods. That's what I can try. Yes. So just just some of the I mean dozens of dishes. Um, mm-hmm. Give you a few examples. There's a, there's a Hogtown Charcuterie has got their homemade pretzels with garlic dip. Ooh, that sounds nice. Um, we've also got a smoked Ontario garlic sausage with homemade condiments, and we have something called uh, To Cure What Ails. It's a garlic soup made with four thousand cloves of garlic. Oh my God. So a, a great <laughs> a great chance to get your fall, your fall flu shot. A great chance to keep people away from you for the next little while. <laughs> because after we did that raw garlic tasting at Corey's place a couple of weeks ago, um, which was great, but I tasted it for about for two days afterwards. Oh, okay. Well, you know, if you do eat a lot of garlic at the garlic festival, um, it's a great chance then to do the garlic breath contest. And what is that? So it's run by the Ontario Science Centre, and they use something called a gas chromatograph to measure uh, your breath mm-hmm. in parts per billion. So... Um, uh, they'll be uh, doing that all day long, and you can go to the garlic breath contest and, and uh, win a prize. So it, it's an actual scientific way of measuring? Absolutely. Your gar- yeah. it's, okay, because I thought if there was a garlic breath contest that some, some poor soul had the job of inhaling uh, everyone's breath as they breathed on him, but it's actually yeah. <laughs> properly yeah. measured. I don't know who would volunteer for that. but Yeah, I'd have to like get a retired wrestler <laughs> or someone. But no, we've got... Uh, uh, people from the Ontario Science Center who who run this, and so you you have a little fun, learn a little bit about science, and it's all part of the day. So we have other things going on there as well. We have several talks and mm-hmm. cooking demos going on. Um, a lot of uh, talks about um, cooking with garlic, how to grow garlic. It's actually um, I learned um, that it's actually quite easy to grow. 
extremely. I mean, if I can grow it, uh, and I and I really didn't have much to do with farming until a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Anyone can grow it. So you just you, uh, and that's something we can teach people at the festival. You can bring home a few bulbs, and fall is the right time to plant garlic. Oh, is that right? So right about now, people could be planting their their garlic garden. Yes, and you'd you'd start planting by late September, early October. Oh, okay. Um, now, I know that you're planning. You're writing a book as well, yes. right? Yes. Okay, and it's about the history of garlic in Ontario? Uh, yes, it's kind of a cultural history of garlic in Ontario, starting from, from the first settlers who came here up until the present day. So um, I, we've been doing a lot of archival research to mm-hmm. find some really original uh, things about garlic, uh, which will be revealed in the book. Plus, I'm interviewing a lot of uh, contemporary chefs and, and restaurant, former restaurant owners and food writers and historians. It, um, to me, it's so interesting to have... a. Um, a book that documents the history of such a specific ingredient. Like it's, it's quite fascinating. And I know that, uh, you know, when we spoke very casually uh, over dinner, it was, uh, you mentioned how a lot of the garlic came from immigrants. Yes. So um, it garlic originated in South Central Asia, I mean, thousands of years ago, and it traveled with uh, the migration of people. So across the Silk Road, for example, and into Europe and, and Asia. But as, it, as people migrated, so did garlic. So a lot of the garlic, the, the hardneck garlic we grow now in Ontario originated, I mean, over, over hundreds of years from uh, other places in the world. It's not, it's not original to Ontario. And what have, I guess, what was the most interesting thing that you discovered in your research? Oh, oh dear. Oh, Don't one of them. I mean, because I just thought, like, garlic to me is just one of those things. It's like onions. It's just been around forever. It was never something that I thought, uh, you know, became popular in any recent decade. But I, yeah. I guess I could be wrong. I guess um, um, the, the book is really kind of a cultural history. And garlic is a, is a great window onto, um, into that history of, of uh, the peoples of Ontario. So... Mm-hmm. Something very interesting I got a few weeks ago is a, a photocopy of the um, teacher minutes from a small town near Sudbury. And this was a, a meeting in 1928. So imagine a, a small town of, of teachers meeting in 1928, <laughs> almost 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. And one of the things discussed was, should uh, children who smell of garlic, should they be sent home? And really? the answer was yes. They voted yes. No, I can't believe that a child could smell so strongly of garlic. Um, m- maybe, maybe not even very strong. I don't know. Uh. But the fact is that there was kind of a, it's been kind of like a garlic is, uh, people haven't, people who like garlic haven't always been embraced by everyone else. I mean, really, uh, we had kind of a more heavily Anglo culture mm-hmm. um, for a long time. And I think that that, that little snippet is kind of a reflection of how people who like garlic were viewed. Right. So garlic is really much more universally embraced now, mm-hmm. um, but for quite a while in Ontario, there were, there were many restaurants, um, even until 20 years ago, that wouldn't serve garlic. Winston's, which is a, a famous restaurant in Toronto, um, the owner tells me that he served a Belgian endive salad once with garlic and it was sent back. That was the only time he, he had garlic in a dish. <laughs> didn't want to take that risk again? They didn't know. They didn't know, <laughs> but they thought, this is too risky with a garlic but now, I mean, um, everybody is using garlic, and that's really fantastic. And so when is your book going to be ready? It's coming out in the spring of uh, 2015. And do you have a title for it yet? Yes. Uh, um, 
And excuse me. And, and, <laughs> like maybe you're making it up yeah. just to fool me. No, no, no. Ontario garlic, uh, a story from uh, farm to festival. Oh, that's very nice. Okay, so we'll look out for that book. And uh, again, the garlic, uh, the tr- fourth annual Toronto Garlic Festival takes place in two weeks. So September 21st at the Evergreen Brickworks. There's a small uh, admission fee, five dollars. Yes. And then, or free if you're under 12. So I really encourage people to go. Uh, Good luck with the festival, and thanks for joining me tonight. Thank you very much. That's Peter McCluskey. He's the founder of the Toronto Garlic Festival. I really do encourage you to go and and take a look and try try some of the different varieties of local garlic. I think you'll you'll be quite impressed. And then you can also um, compete in that garlic breath contest. Maybe don't make plans that night, though. You'll probably have to stay home. Uh, Coming up after the break, Food Network personality and cookbook author Chef Michael Smith will be on the show to help you revamp dinner time. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. You're listening to the all-new Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Elliot, what's, what's with that slow jam? Is it too slow for you, Pay? It's a little too slow. It's so mellow. It is, yeah, it is a little, yeah, just a bit. It's trippy. It's okay, I'm not, you know, I appreciate how um, experimental you are with the music selection on the show. Thank you. I do appreciate that, but maybe we're not going to play this one again. Uh, oh, but I love it. Board to uh, Canada, everybody. Ugh. All right, uh, welcome back. Uh, you're listening to The Page End Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010 here until 9 p.m., we could solely fade out that song anytime now, Elliot. Thanks. Wow. Uh, you can always call in 416-872-1010 or start 8255 on your cell phone. Text in as well, 71010. Uh, my next guest has been all over my TV screen for years, and he's taught me some great cooking basics. His TV shows include Chef at Home, Chef Michael's Kitchen, and Chef Abroad, and he's a best-selling cookbook author. Welcome, Chef Michael Smith. How are you this evening? Hey, hi, Peyton. It's uh, it's a great evening in Toronto. I know. Well, uh, welcome back to town. I know that you're all over the place, and you've been here for a couple of days promoting your latest book, Family Meals. Uh, it's a beautiful book. It's a heavy book. There's Thank a lot you. of recipes Thank in there. <laughs> yeah, it's doing great too. Number one on the Globe and Mail list right now. We're I'm just oh, congratulations! So Thank you. Now, what inspired you to write this book? This is your eighth. This is my eighth book, and uh, cookbooks are, are just a huge part of, of what I do these days. I, I love writing. I've always loved the art of the cookbook and, and just love producing them now myself. And, and for years, folks have asked me, when are you going to write a family book? And I always sort of thought to myself, well, I kind of am, you know, because all my books have always been the recipes that I cook for my family. And mm-hmm. I think on some level, I didn't think I was qualified yet. You know, like I don't have this figured out yet. I mean, what parent ever really has it figured out now with three kids with Gabe, who, who you've seen sort of grow up on, mm-hmm. TV. he's actually 12 years old now. Wow. He's in uh, seventh grade. He's a, he's in French school. And uh, my daughter, Ariel is six now. She's in first grade and Camille's two and two dogs and a cat. And I think I've got the qualification to write a family book. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Finally. Now, yeah. dear, um, are, have you dealt with fussy eaters? Like you've got three kids, of you know, and they're a couple of years apart. I do. I deal with it every single day. In mm-hmm. fact, um, I think kids may even have a tendency, or at least some kids, to go through cycles in terms of fussiness. Or, you know, Gabe right now is uh, sort of in an anti-fish mode, and 
all my kids are fine with all vegetables because they're just used to that from day one. But mm -hmm. fish can often be a sticking point. And, and Daddy's sometimes a little guilty of screwing around with the sauces or changing <laughs> the seasoning, you know, just when the kids are like, geez, that's the best ever. I don't change it on them. And, you know, but uh, I think it's just part of, of cooking in general. Somebody's always going to be fussy. Right. And that can make that can make, you know, family meals a little bit more challenging. You know what I um, liked about your book was the way that you've broken it down. I mean, the recipes are categorized, but also you start a lot of the sections with a page of tips. So, yeah. you know, um, even simple tips like deciding that cooking is fun and not work because I feel that often you know, kids are very observant. So if they see you carrying on, like this is a big chore and this is a big hassle, they sort of absorb that um, thought as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a powerful thing to try and keep your kids away from You know, I really don't mean to be on a soapbox, but I, I guess I got to say it. Food and our food lifestyle really is something that we need to, to have a good grasp on. And, uh, you know, I think all of us as parents are motivated to do our very, very best, and the food choices we make are right at the top of that list. And it really is so important not to confuse the unfamiliar with difficult and to at least say to yourself, I'm going to give it my best shot. I really am. I'm going to try to cook just simple, straightforward, real food mm -hmm. and stay away from processed at all costs, really. And and I think you, I think you can engage your kids by doing just that, by, by bringing them into the process in some way, shape, or form, and certainly not by not making the process seem onerous or, or wrong or bad or something. And, and I get it. I mean, I have the same challenges every single day cooking for my family. You know, time is always of the essence, and, and uh, you know, everybody's got a different thing going on, and mm -hmm. it can be intimidating, but, but at, the, at the same time, it's not optional. Right. It's, you know, it needs it's, to get on the not, table. Bellies need to be fed. Yeah, and then and our and beyond that, I think the the biggest advice in the book has nothing to do with the food in the book. It's more the context of the food and and finding the time. You know, God bless us all. Find the time to sit down with your family. You know, we have to do that. We just mm -hmm. have to find the time to eat together. And I know that's such a strong part of who we are in Prince Edward Island, my family, and I and, and I just know it's such a powerful thing for so many others too. And it's a challenge you know. for a lot of parents. And I, I did notice that in your tips that you really um, encourage basically doing things together. So doing things with the kids, whether it's like shopping together, cooking together, and eating together, really getting them involved in every step. Yeah, and it really helps. And it's it's not like. Uh, you know, it's mythical or, or iconic or anything other in many cases, just you need a hand. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, like the kids got to help out. And, and if we're talking slicing and dicing onions, well, you never know what that might turn into. I liked uh, one of your tips for organizing the kitchen was to bribe your kids. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Why not? <laughs> I mean, who's, who's going to admit to it? Who's going to cop to it? We all bribe our kids on some level, and yeah. you know, keeping the keeping the kitchen flowing along smoothly. And I mean, how many times have I had to said to my six year old, "Come on now, the treats on the line. Let's let's get that funky <laughs> vegetable down. Whatever it is, Dad's dreamed up now." And, mm -hmm. You know, it's all kind of playful, but but at the same time, why not? Now, you've cooked all over the world for some big names, like you've cooked for celebrities, for royalty, um, Olympic athletes. So you've you've cooked in very high-pressure situations. You've also had to um, cook large quantities at a time. How does this compare to cooking for your family? 
Well, I mean, beyond the, the obvious issues of, of, of sort of volume and expectation and all of it, I think at first uh, it compared wrong. I, I mean, I think I originally approached cooking the way I approached it professionally at home. That was, you know, more focused on perfection and, you know, and, and getting everything so right, you know, and, and that's sort of how you do it as a professional working chef. But at home, that's that's the wrong kind of energy. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess when I say to folks, let all that perfection nonsense go, uh, it's the voice of experience. You, you know, I understand that at home, context is way more important. And, you know, I'm not trying to sound sort of esoteric here, but so often we, we make the mistake of getting all worked up in our home kitchens on whether we're doing it right or not. And frankly, you're doing it right if you're cooking real food for your family you're a rock star who cares how it turns out you know it'll taste better next time if it has to right now um with this book being about family meals and you were saying that you know your other books your other seven books um are also quite family friendly then how did you approach things differently when you were putting together the recipes for this particular book what were your requirements well, I I wanted them to be from from the the real world of of how I cook with my family and my kids and and in so many cases the recipes that we share together that we that we work on together you know whether it's your Saturday morning pancake ritual or or just the excitement when you know when you're on a steak on the on the backyard barbecue I mean these are all the sort of food moments that add up to a food lifestyle and. Yeah, you know, my first few books were a little bit out there. They were all restaurant oriented, and those are recipes that that I don't cook at home. And I mean, we we just don't cook that way in this world. We're mm-hmm. we're much more focused on purity and simplicity. And so, I, really, I just wanted to to do the most engaging recipes that I could and and basic stuff. You know, we're not we're not talking. Uh, foie gras and, and all those weird little <laughs> jars that you use one teaspoon right. of and never go back to it right now what is your what is your go-to dish then like what is the one thing that you make over and over again well at the moment it's actually uh red lentil fritters um really? I, I was uh, yeah no kidding i was <laughs> blessed to uh be a part of a grand lentil hunter adventure this year i mm-hmm. went to France and Italy and Morocco and India for the first time and Dubai all in February and traveling on behalf of the, the lentil farmers of Canada and looking for great recipes. And sure enough, in Dubai, in the world's tallest building, the Burj Khalifa, don't I stumble onto these red lentil fritters? And I come home and I'm all excited. They're so simple. They're so delicious. And my kids love them. So now I'm making these things like once a week right now. And and we really love these things. They're really simple. They they sound good, but not something that I don't think I've I've never made them before in my life. I don't think I've ever made fritters. <laughs> I know it's not. This isn't mainstream, right? This is the kind of silly stuff that I, that I'll that I might do when on a, with the kids. So now, is there a ninth book in the works? There is, and mm-hmm. uh, would you believe we're actually talking about the tenth? The You're kidding. Book, uh, <laughs> yeah, next year's book. We're well into it already. We're testing the recipes. We're going to work on something along the line of uh, make ahead meals sort of cook ahead and that sort of thing that that'll be next year though all right so already uh the next book already in the works we can look out for that thank you so much for your time michael it's my pleasure thank you as well that's chef michael smith his latest book out right now is family meals it's his 
eighth book, and you can find it uh, in stores now, and I'm sure online. Uh, after the break, Vinny White is going to join me. We're going to talk about a couple of things, including whether or not it should cost me money to make my landlord's life easier. And it, it's not the sum of money that matters. It's just sort of the principle. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. If you want to catch podcasts of previous shows, you can always do that on my website. It's paychen.com. If you're on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me there as, uh, as well. My handle is very easy. It's at paychen. This is the all-new Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Welcome back. Joining me in studio right now, I've got Vinny White, who is uh, on air from 9 until 10 p.m. It's nice to see you. We just, if anyone was watching the webcams, uh, you can watch the show if you like, and you can also just stream the audio, Newstalk1010.com. Vinny and I just had a little fist fight, but mm-hmm. he started it. Yeah. You Don't punch, you, you made me sound like a, a violent man. I just gave you a, a little hard, a friendly little tap, a little <laughs> with his fist. Can I make an observation about your coming back there? Yeah. Um, it says the all new Pei Chen Show. I know. And you're playing a track from about 1994. Yeah. It's not the two don't go. The all new. It's in, also not all new. It's been a year. Yeah. So Does that's yours, silly. Is your and actually someone texted and asked when will they stop calling it the all new? Exactly. I said, well, and that is why control. I became violent. That. Well, it's not my fault. No need to punch me. Um, I, You are actually going to cover for me next weekend because I am going to Manitoba. Ew. Yes. You know where I'm going? I'm going to Russell, Manitoba. Has anyone been there? Please text me, 71010. Tell me what is in Russell, Manitoba. I'm going on a farm getaway. Oh. And I'm staying in a barn. Mm. So I believe the thought was, let's take this city slicker and put her in the middle of nowhere for the weekend. Can I use this opportunity to therefore take back the, ooh, because it really isn't that glamorous. I think it'll be fun. We're going to visit a bison ranch. We're going to visit um, a bee farm, uh, do all kinds of uh, farm-like things. I'm going with, uh, as a guest of the canola growers of Manitoba. You can see you're such a city person. I'm going to go a bee farm and run out. We're going to do farm-like things. <laughs> <laughs> but we're probably going to like walk around. or something. Yeah, there'll be one of them. There'll be like boots. Be, yeah. And there'll probably be like tea cozies on the teapot. That's Someone what I think. said to me, don't forget to bring bug spray. And I thought, what do I have to do? What do I need bug spray for living downtown Toronto? Mm. I have to go buy bug spray. But that's fine. I grew up basically in the woods, the backwoods of Nova Scotia. So mm. I'm just kind of going back to my roots, but just in a different province. I want to get your opinion about something. In general... Oh, but I feel like you're kind of a, you're kind of a jerk sometimes with things. Well, thank you for the sometimes. Yeah, um, a dollar fifty is Too not much. a whole lot to <laughs> make a fuss about, right? Like no. So if, like, if I left the grocery store and discovered that oh they charged me a dollar fifty extra for something, I wouldn't bother going back. Mm. Um, I'd be a little bit annoyed. Uh, same with the restaurant bill. If I went home and realized, like, oh, they charged me for two cups of coffee, not one, I'm not going to make a big deal about going back. Okay, so this happened. Um, my landlord asked me a little while ago to, if I would do um, email transfers for her for my rent. Um, because usually, like most tenants, you do post-dated checks. Mm. So I have a 
condo, which I have tenants in, they give me post-dated checks. Mm. I just have to remember around the first of each month to go to the bank and deposit it. So I rent a small condo to live in. And that's what I've done with my landlord. She's got a stack of post-dated checks for me. But she said she doesn't always get to the bank as often as she would like. Would I do like an interact e-transfer? And I thought, well, that's not a big deal. The time itself is not a lot. It's pretty quick to do online. Um, and uh, But then I realized, oh, it cost me like $1.50 or something each time. And I was talking about this with someone. They said, well, are you taking the $1.50 off the amount of your rent oh, check? Wow. And, uh, and I said, oh, you know, I it wasn't brought up. Mm. And then it kind of started to annoy me mm. because – then I put it on Facebook. I said, what do you guys think? $1.50 isn't a whole lot. Like, it's not even a medium cup of coffee at Tim Hortons. Like, that's not, that won't even cover it. Mm. So it's not the amount. But then I got a bit annoyed. The more people that commented on my Facebook. Well, what saying, was the general consensus? Well, it was like, why am I paying for someone else's convenience? Right. And if I'm asking you to do something that makes my life easier, but it costs you money, shouldn't I therefore offer to either reimburse you for it or deduct it. Like if I said to you, ah, oh, Vinny, yeah, can you um, maybe take a cab and drop off stuff to my place that I left at work? I would be paying for the cab. Like, you know, I'm asking you to make my life easier. Or do you just think like, no, nah, nah, not a big deal. I have a tenant yeah. who pays me via Interact transfer and she, I presume, pays the... What's it? The charge. I guess so. If she billed me, it would annoy me, not for the money, but for the principal. So someone's going to have to get annoyed. See, I'm also a landlord. So I didn't, but, uh, and if my tenants chose to email me, I'd have no problem with that because they they decided to do it that way. Yes. So I think that's the, that, that's the um, argument then, isn't it? Yeah. It's their choice. They could have paid by cheque. They didn't, so oh. they're going to have to front it. In the same sense that if you go in Canada, if you I can't believe it's still this way, but if you go to someone else's bank and withdraw money, it's a charge. Whereas the if you ATM walk, ATM fee, yes. Yeah, but if you walk down the road to your own bank, there isn't. Well, actually, there is one, but that won't well, ignore. It that. depends on your bank account. Yeah, how it's set up, right? It does. Yeah, how it's but set certainly up. more from another bank. So yes. you chose to use that bank, so hence you should pay. It wasn't my choice. Yeah. So there we go. I think that's what happens. Well, I guess, but I didn't. Uh, I, that was not how I chose to do it. I was asked to do it that way. Uh, oh, hang on. So, so far... you, the conclusion isn't that you're charging her the one fifty. No, you? I haven't. No, I, I, I haven't. Um, and then someone said I was a pushover for not doing it. No, you're not a pushover. You're just not really, really tight and I'm annoying. I'm not being fussy about and it. And at the end of the day, I'm you need a good irritated. relationship with your tenant and or landlord, no matter That's which camp true. you're in. Because they could set your house on fire or you could set her, theirs on fire. Although it was more their loss than mine if yeah. they own the home. Yes, they're significantly. <laughs> um, how do you feel about, do you live in an apartment or do you live in a house? So I have a house which I rent in Ottawa Yeah. because uh, I never managed to let it go. And I went from owning a lovely house to renting a tiny little room in a, <laughs> in the mentally health peculiar part of uh Parkdale. A lot of my neighbours are very questionable. And so am I, by well, the way. Well, you are. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, I love this idea there because I have always lived in apartments or condo buildings um, since I've been living on my own and um, always in very, very small spaces where I never felt I should have a pet, like a dog. And I love dogs. I grew up having 
uh, I grew up with dogs um, as a child, but we had a big yard and all of that. Yeah, you weren't raised by them. You just you grew up with them. I was raised by dogs in the backwoods of Nova Scotia. Yeah, yeah. Well, answer a few things. <laughs> Your feisty temperament for a start. For one, um, my uh, affection for bacon, uh, <laughs> and the fact that you tend to walk around on all fours. Yeah. And the fact that I like dig holes in the ground and bury my lunch there yeah. um, instead of putting it in the, in the uh, fridge in the staff kitchen. Uh, there's an apartment building in Washington, D.C., and I love this idea, and I wish buildings in the city here would adopt it. They have um, like a communal dog. Oh, I love it already. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a great idea. So it actually it actually has an owner, belongs to the property manager um, full time, and the property manager actually takes care of her like vet bills and any sort of grooming appointments and, and mm. costs. But the dog is always in the building and is available for people who want to just spend time with her. They even have a pet park. This this is obviously a rather large... <laughs> Bless sorry, you. oh, that was oh. that was wet. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's because it's your fur. You see, it gets right yeah, up my nose. Oh, my dander. Oh. Um, but the uh, the apartment is obviously quite large because they even have a little pet park mm. uh, on the on the grounds there. So residents are more than welcome to go and visit the dog. She is a one-year-old English bulldog, so immediately already you know she's adorable. Of course. Her name is Emmy. She's Rubbish very name. friendly. Rubbish name. Emmy, it's kind of cute, yeah, always go if, you, if it's a boy, go for Winston, because obviously the master himself. And if it's a girl, go for Winnie. Cause a female for a dog? Boy. Well, of an of a English bulldog, yeah. Oh, Okay, I don't know about that rule. Well, it's not. Um, it's not just because I, I said rule. it, what is this, Fox News? Just because yes, I it said is. it doesn't mean that people should believe it. It's just my it's thought. That it should. Well, anyway, this dog's name is Emmy. Right. Um, and uh, very friendly, very affectionate. And basically, residents who want to spend time with her just go down. And they this uh, story that I pulled off... Um, the internet, they had a couple of young residents, like this 29-year-old PhD student, who said basically having the communal dog in the building is what made her want to live there. Brilliant, yeah. Oh, I, I think it's absolutely wonderful. As long as there's a roster or a rotor of um, when you when you take it for walks. Because yeah. you don't want to overwalk it. If everyone's walking it every, you know, every time, it's going to be. Dying. I think this dog's going to get fat because everyone's going to give her treats. Yeah, you got. There's got to be rules. You there can't need... just have anarchy in the dog park. No, there needs to be rules in the dog park. I'm sure they're figuring it out. But I love the idea of having a communal. I'd do it. Pet because a lot of people, building. including yourself and I, that travel quite a lot, mm. it's quite a commitment to have a pet. Yeah. I can't look after a pot plant, but if I could access a pet, <laughs> it'd be great. Because you would get all the benefits of having a pet. Without having to deal with um, the responsibilities. Yeah, just imagine just the amount of slightly... problems that it hears, though, because we all sure. know that we only get dogs so we can moan at them and uh, tell what's, them our problems. What's coming up on your show? Glad you asked. Uh, I'm not saw, sure I am. Saw Al Pacino earlier. You saw Al Pacino? Yeah. Where? Walking down King Street. Yeah, I saw him on Wellington. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you got? <laughs> Sorry. Um, any opportunity, really. Um... Well, I've got loads to talk about. I saw a bear last week. It's just it's a show of what I've seen recently. Al Pacino and bear. More <laughs> things as we go through what I've seen recently. In what essentially a radio version of I Spied. Yeah. What Vinny saw on his way to work. Yeah. Uh, also, no, there's loads of stuff. I want to talk about I got violated last night. Uh, sounds, uh, sounds wrong. It is a bit. That happened. I feel like you usually would... 
welcome that? It was by an attractive woman, but yeah. I was violated. I will explain in great detail. Uh, words we need Engli in English that exist in other languages. Really good bit on that. Okay. Uh, a dog that ate 40 socks. Oh, I saw Isn't that. Isn't that fantastic? How did he, how did he even survive with 40 <laughs> socks in his belly? And probably slightly more serious stuff, but not much. Not much more. Not really. Um, that's Vinny White. He's on from 9 until 10. I'll be back uh, the week after next because I will be in Russell, Manitoba doing farm things next weekend. And Vinny will be covering for me. Have a great night, everyone. Paychen.com if you want to catch uh, some of the podcasts. Thanks and have a great evening.